Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Dirty Giants podcast. As always, thanks for listening. I hope your hunting seasons are going good if they've started. If they haven't started yet, I hope that you guys have some luck this season. I've been out quite a bit on the archery hunt here in Utah. I've been looking for a particular deer. I just haven't really even been able to turn them up since the hunt started, but I've been looking pretty hard. Hopefully it will come together and I can give you guys kind of a cool update or uh, maybe even tell the story on the podcast, but we'll see what happens. Anyways, um, someone who did have some success already this year is uh, Judd Marshall, and we have him on the podcast. He told the story of his 220 plus inch deer archery buck. He just took it about a week ago. It's a really cool story, so I think you guys are going to like this. But before we start, I just want to thank uh, one of our sponsors, Scree Gear. I recently got some new um, gear from them, and I've been using it on my hunt so far. I used the rain gear the other day, and I really like it. It's some cool stuff. So um, I appreciate their support, and if you guys want to support them for supporting us, I, I would appreciate that as well. Anyways, let's get to the podcast, and let's hear from um, Judd. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the Dirty Giants podcast. This is going to be a really cool episode. We've got uh, Judd Marshall on, Outlaw Marshall uh, 28 on Instagram. He just recently killed this year a really just unreal archery buck, 220 plus inches. So I'm excited to hear the story and hear from Judd. So thanks for getting on, Judd. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, so I kind of maybe just wanted to get started, like what got you uh, so passionate about mule deer and what, what kind of got you started on that? Well, I'd, I'd, I'd have to say probably just as a kid, you know, going out with my dad, growing up, you know, just hunting deer, you know, that's what you did. And, mm-hmm. you know, my dad always took me out with him and we'd just go look for deer and look for bucks and I think like even when we were when I was a kid like we even had a tradition you know like me and him would always go out every year and cut a Christmas tree in the winter you know and that was just an excuse to get out just to go look at deer you know in the rut and just yeah. in the winter go call coyotes and look for deer and stuff like that and so you know I always just was just following right behind him was and there like was always, a Oh, was there a, like Sorry. a particular, um, buck or maybe like a particular hunt that you're just like, yeah, this is, this is what I like to do. Well, I don't know if there was a particular buck, but so like I, my dad rifle hunted a lot and muzzleloader mm-hmm. hunted. And so I always just kind of followed right behind him. You know, it'd be one thing that we kind of always did back in the day is like, we didn't hunt the way we do now. Like back then it was you know, we'd go out for the first hour or whatever in the morning, look why the deer are out, and then me and my dad would just go drive roads and check for a big buck track or something like that, you know, and yeah. so whenever he'd be following these deer on their tracks, and I would just be right behind him, you know, so I got to learn a lot of stuff like that, and, you know, there was a, a deer we hunted back when I was a kid and it, we never did hardly it. Like my dad seen him one time in two or three years. And, but we were always, we knew the deer's track in the area he lived. And so we kind of just would always go down there and try to cut his track and stuff. And I'd follow behind him and just, you know, he'd tell me stories about, you know, big deer he had found back in the day and stuff like that. And I don't know, it kind of just, I, I've, always just been kind of loved deer i just grew up knowing you know that's what you i just didn't know anything different and so yeah (laughs) i don't know like that deer we chased around a lot and i i'd be following behind him you know he's tracking the deer and he'd teach me stuff and i'd be picking up sheds and stuff and as a kid and i just kind of grew to love it and then you know like i'd say you know i was probably seven or eight and then you know, I was probably nine or 10 years old and my dad bought me, you know, some really crazy videos for Christmas one year. And I just remember sitting there Christmas morning watching those and just drilling, you know, 
over all the giant deer and I was just like, this yeah. is freaking so cool. You know, like I want to find one of those deer, you know, cause back then on the general season unit, we didn't see nothing, you know, like 240, 230 type of deer, you know? Right. And I was just like, I always had it in my head. That it was like one day I'm going to find something like that, you know, and just be able to hunt a deer like that. And I was just kind of obsessed with it. And over the years, it's just grown and grown and got even worse. Probably into <laughs> sickness, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, I know how that is. Yeah, those those muley crazy videos. I mean, you could just watch them over and over. That's I think that's really what got me into it a lot too. Is just like seeing like that next level deer that like yeah. I didn't even know really existed. Like mm-hmm. that's, those are so. Those are fun to watch. So fast forward a little bit. I mean, you've killed quite a few just like pretty solid bucks, some really nice bucks. Right. And then, um, so then this year, like what happened? Did you, were you planning on like this or what? Like, kind of walk us through everything. Well, so like I've been, this year I put in for the Oak Creek probably just because I knew how bad a drought it was last year. Uh-huh. And, you know, like, last year I put in for the Pontagon, and I just, knowing all the things I've I've learned over the years and just kind of from paying attention to stuff, I think I just had it in the back of my head that I, if the conditions didn't change, I was like, you know what, I don't know how the Pontagon's going to be this year for respond to the drought we're having you know and I was just like I've watched over the years like it seems like even in 2018 and 2020 last year wasn't the greatest year for moisture it seemed like the Oak Creek still was producing big deer on the down years yeah and I was just like you know what there's something to it you know I, I don't know what it is for sure but if it's just the it's a different area you know it's not quite desert down here like where the Pontagon is or some of these southern or more southern units like where I live but yeah I just kind of had it in my head I was going to put in for that because I I knew the conditions had been bad and I once it come time to put in like I didn't think it had changed enough to make it a great year at that point and so I was just like you know what I'm just going to go with my gut and put into that unit and see what happens and did you have the points to draw like were you were you thinking you would draw I knew I was close yeah I had so I had 16 points and so I knew it was right around that number like I was looking at the odds and stuff and I I figured I would be right there close to being able to draw it but Mm -hmm. I didn't know if I'd be guaranteed but I ended up right. being one of the max point holders, so ended up getting it, and I'm glad I did. I mean, it was, you know, it's, sorry, I messed up there, but anyway. Oh, you Yeah, I'm glad I I ended up drawing the tag. Um, do you want me to just tell the story from there? Or? Yeah, yeah, so... I'm I'm just curious like have you did you had you spent much time on the unit or did you uh like have you just like heard about it more in the rumors Yeah so I've never until I drew the tag this year I've never set foot on the unit ever I wow. <laughs> I've just know about the unit and I've heard of it I've had friends that have spent time over there and things like that but I've never right. been over there myself Okay and you know, like, obviously, I heard there's some giant deer over there, you know, and a couple from last year, and you see stuff on social media and things like that, and so I, you know, I got, I talked to a few people and just kind of got started in the right direction, you know, some people that helped me out and just kind of gave me a a point in the right direction, you know, of where to look and just some helpful tips, you know, and then I just got after it. I think it was first time I went over there was probably I think it was probably May 28th okay so you just got went there pretty a, early to learn yeah 
yeah. well with like my work schedule and stuff, I knew I wouldn't be able to go over there, you know, more than once or twice a week all summer. So I was like, I need to start as early as I can. Yeah. And so I started on May 28th, me and my little brother went over there and set a few cameras and just went and checked out a few places where I had been told, you know, there are good places to start and just started grinding from there. And the funny thing is like with the deer, I ended up killing uh-huh. the very, the, we hiked up this trail and went and set this camera, right? There's a saddle. It's a ways away from a road, but we went and set a camera in the saddle. And the funny thing is with this deer is that's the very first camera I set this year over there. And the day we set it, we were getting ready to walk over to set it in the saddle. And we jumped a buck out of this little draw right next yeah. to it. And I mean, it was still pretty early, too early to really tell, but I honestly believe that it was the same deer that I ended up killing. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, crazy. It was kind of a coincidence. I don't know if coincidence or what, but it was pretty crazy that it ended up, the first deer and the first camera I set over there ended up being the deer I ended up killing, but it was pretty mm-hmm. cool. But So how much time did you spend scouting over there? I mean, like, so you say the first trip you went over in in May, were you out about like once a week almost or? Yeah. I, so there was a couple, one or two weeks out of the summer. I never ended up getting over there just Uh because of family stuff and different obligations. But I want to say other than that, I tried to get over there at least once a week all summer long. And there was a couple weeks where I went, multiple times so i mean you put in i want to say i spent between 15 and 20 days at least and then i had there was a couple weekends where i had to work and like my brother and my dad went over there and checked cameras and went and glassed for me and stuff so yeah Uh, okay so so you find this buck the the first trip you know and like did you did you have multiple different bucks you were hunting? Like, I guess, like, lead us up to, like, maybe a week or two the, before the hunt. What did it look like, and what was your inventory, and, and what was going on? So, I had that deer found. There was a couple other deer right in the same spot he was in that were just solid deer, not shooters, you know, like 190-type deer. Mm-hmm. And then I had cameras spread across the unit a little ways, and I had, I think I had between trail cam pictures and deer that I'd glassed up. I, I think I had, there was two other bucks that I felt were 200 inch plus deer. Okay. Or at least at the 200 inch mark or better, there was a handful of, you know, 190 to 195 type deer. Uh-huh. And the thing with this deer is the whole, I found him early and he was way, as far as like all the other deer I had been seeing, he was like the furthest behind in, in horn growth okay. out of all the other bucks. So like I knew I had a good deer found and my, my little brother the whole time kept telling me that's the deer we need to hunt, you know? And in my head, I'm just like, well, it's still early. You know, I want to keep looking and see what else, you know, see yeah. if I can find something better. And he just, he kept telling me that. And, and I kind of thought he could turn in, to what he ended up doing but i was just me being me i guess and having the points i had i was like i'm not going to just settle i want to keep looking and see what else i can find right and in the back of my head i kind of thought he could blow up and finish out the way i was hoping he would and he ended up doing that but there was probably so i would say probably two weeks before the hunt i got i videoed him and I actually had trail cam pictures of him from like the day before too. And I was comparing them and I'm like the trail camera pictures at night just make deer so hard to judge and they're deceiving sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I was like, I don't know if he's going to be big enough to hunt. And then the next, that morning me and him ended up, me and my little brother went in there and ended up glassing him up and getting some video of him. And I was like, he's way bigger than what he looks on trail camera, you know? Yeah. And there was a couple other, 
What were you guessing when when you saw him? Did you like? I mean, because sometimes those frames are hard to judge, especially when oh, yeah. he has a two-frame. So I, <laughs> I would say the week of the hunt, I was thinking he was probably 205 to 210. Uh-huh. I figured his frame was probably around 190, 195. And then and he, he still had a little growing left. Like I said, he was the slowest growing deer out of any of the ones I'd been seeing or glassed up all summer. And so... That was, I want to say, on, like, Wednesday, the week before the hunt started. So the next Monday, I found him. So keep in mind, that time when we went over there, I don't know how it has been down where you guys were, but at that time, we had that smoke roll in here. Yeah. And it just was, I don't know, it made glassing and just any video you took or anything like that was washed out. Like, it made it hard to... So the video I got that first time when I glassed him up, it wasn't great video. So even then I still had doubts in my head, you know, of what he really was. Uh-huh. So then the next Monday, me and my brother-in-law and my father-in-law went over there and hiked up in there and we ended up finding him and got some good video of him and got a lot better look at him that time. And I was just like, okay, this deer's, I figured he was right around 210 inches you know i figured his frame was probably 195 to 200 but i wasn't 100 percent sure you know but i i figured he was big enough to hunt and at that point i'd been checking some other areas and some of the deer that i had heard of and been hoping to get eyes on i just never ended up locating them and so i was like well at the very least i have this deer to hunt opening day yeah and yeah. if something That's changes between a week then I can adjust my plans you know mm-hmm. so I kept looking and um so I never ended up making it back over there till the day before okay. the hunt started and my little brother Jace and my two uncles went over there Friday and they went up in there looking for him and never ended up finding him. And oh, <laughs> That's so I ended up, so, sorry. Oh yeah, so, go ahead. So it was kind of a crazy couple of weeks. So like two weeks before the hunt started, I ended up selling my house. Oh and man. So we were planning on just buying a big fifth wheel trailer to live in until we can build a house. But, it all ended up, it wasn't the greatest timing and me and my wife and everything, like we were just running like chickens with our heads cut off, trying to get everything lined up and done before my hunt started. And so it was kind of a busy week, but I never even ended up rolling over to the unit until like, I never made it to my camp till 11 o'clock the night before the hunt. So I had, I had my brother and my uncles go over there that day and look and check some cameras and see what they could find and they went up and looked for this deer never did end up turning him up but i rolled in there and just had just decided that we were just going to go up in there that first morning and see if we could get eyes on him and just try to hunt him i didn't i thought he was plenty big enough and from all the other deer that i had seen over there i -hmm. didn't really I thought he was just as big, if not bigger, than any of the other things, other deer that I had seen or heard of on the unit. Right. Obviously, there was the giant deer that everybody knows about from last yeah. year that was a, a 230 or 40-inch deer, but I had seen pictures of him and seen what he was, and I knew the area where he was at, but the times so that I had been there, there, yeah, there's, I just didn't want to deal with all the other traffic and people and the spot bad thing about that area is there's a lot of other deer and bucks in the area too and so it's like it's going to be tough trying to kill that deer with having so many other deer on the same ridge or hill like it's just going to be a nightmare trying to stalk in and kill that deer plus he's been known to roam and move areas quite frequently 
from what I've heard. And so I was just like, you yeah. know what? I'm not even going to mess with that deer. I'm going to hunt this buck and just see what happens. So was there, uh, was there other, had you ever seen any other people, uh, like glassing the buck that you ended up killing? Like, did, did you have competition or? So there's a lot. So how the, there's not really a lot of roads over on that unit. It's, there's like, mm-hmm. there's drainages and, there's big, there's a couple main roads that go up like the bottom of each, of each canyon or yeah, I guess drainage or whatever. And there'll be a, there's a few roads that cut off and go up some of the big canyons that are over there, but a lot of them are just like four wheeler trails. Like I took my side by side on a few of them and they're not, they're not the greatest roads. Like there's the access on that unit is not hunter friendly. Right. Like, where this deer was at, there's a main road, and then there's kind of two tra- two four-wheeler trails that cut off, and they go up the hill about, you know, quarter mile and dead end. So everything is hiking and yeah. to get into where a lot of these deer are. So there was a lot of traffic just on that road, you know, like four-wheelers and recreational people and stuff up and down all the time. And I, I did see people up in their, you know, glass, and then, like, I'd be walking out and get going to my bike and there'd be people pulled up their glass and but what mm-hmm. I had noticed over the summers every time I'd seen people where they would be glassing like they would be in the area but I think they were almost like going right past this deer and driving to try to get to another spot or they were glassing in the wrong direction like okay I don't know it was kind of I think there was a couple people that ended up finding out about him like guides and outfitters but a lot of people i think didn't know about him for the most part i'm not 100 percent, but yeah and so the first two days of my hunt i never had any people like over in the canyon where i was at hunting him Mm -hmm. and the third day when i ended up killing him there was some other people in there and some outfitters and a little bit of competition but other than that, that there wasn't much yeah that i knew about anyway so so did you uh sorry i kind of like cut you off from this story i was just curious but did you guys uh um so the first the first day did you guys turn them up at all yeah so i'll just tell the whole start yeah. of the story and from opening morning yeah so opening morning we hiked up and I got set up in that in the saddle pretty much right where it all started. And I just had my brother and my uncle go up on top of the mountain up above and get eyes up there where they could cover a lot of country and glass. And then my other uncle went down the ridge from me and glassed at a different angle. And we sat there from we sat there for probably two hours and never turned him up yet. Like we had seen a couple other smaller deer and we were up there freezing our butts off. It freaking <laughs> rained so hard the night before, and that wind started blowing. You would have thought it was opening morning of the rifle hunt. It was cold. <laughs> like I didn't take yeah. my gloves with me that morning, and I, my hands were numb sitting there glassing <laughs> off my tripod. Jeez. So we sat there and glassed for a couple hours, and I decided I was going to drop down the hill and in the draw where I had my camera and just see if I could look at a different angle and I went down there and sat there for about 30 minutes and glassed and never turned nothing up but the wind was blowing so hard I think a lot of the deer were holed up in the bottom of the draws you know like yeah. out of the wind and I kind of had a idea that in a couple you know once it warmed up a little bit stuff would start moving and yeah I was just getting to the point where I was getting ready to just get up and move back up the hill and I caught something out of the corner of my eye and I looked over on the ridge and there was something shining so I pulled my binos up and I could tell it was a deer and I could tell it was a big deer and I was like holy crap like that's a freaking big deer and then he turned his head and I could see the one big inline he has and I was like that's that but it's the deer you know yeah so I'm like telling him all I got him found and he sits up on that ridge and feeds for a minute and then feeds right back down in the bottom where I can't see him and luckily my 
little brother and my uncle Zane end up getting eyes on him and watching bed down with a couple other bucks. And so I made a game plan that I was just going to go get down about a hundred, 150 yards up above the deer and just kind of set up in a good spot and just wait him out and see what happens, you know, see if he gets up to feed and then make a move from there, you know, see what yeah. he ends up doing and then either try to move in to a good position where he might feed in front of me or hopefully they'd feed up the canyon right to me. But right. I ended up sitting I ended up sitting there all day and I think it was probably around four o'clock, they all got up and started feeding and they fed right up the ridge where they had been where he was that morning. And so I ended up having to drop down and make a big circle around him. And I was moving down the ridge and the thing is with this area where the steer is, the oak in there's super tall. And so my brother and them guys had eyes on him the whole time while he's feeding and they're trying to communicate with me, you know, and tell me what to do and what he's doing while I'm trying to sneak down in there. And for some reason, there were some cows in the bottom of the draw and my brother, he had bedded down for a second, just laid down while the other bucks were feeding around him. Uh-huh. For whatever reason, the deer jumped to his feet and like acted like something was up. But I think, I don't know what, and what was spooking him, but my, I heard my brother say, Oh, something blew him out. And so I start, you know, thinking, Oh, the deer blowing out of there running, you know, getting out. And so I start, picking my pace up yeah you know moving down the ridge quicker than i should have and i'm i can't see any of the bucks and they're they're trying to you know communicate with me and tell me oh he they're like 120 yards in front of you whatever so i'm going too fat faster than i should be and i'm sneaking down the ridge and all of a sudden i can see his horns coming from the top of the oak brush and he's moving out in front of me and i figured he's like 60 yards so that was my (laughs) first mistake i didn't range it uh-huh. and he there's one shooting lane that I thought that I I knew he was going to come out into the shooting lane but I'm like for whatever reason you know I was in a rush and just my brain was on fire <laughs> and yeah. I, yeah. I I should have just ranged it and I guess if you don't get a shot then you don't get a shot but for whatever reason I was like I'm just going to guess he's 60 yards so I pulled up drew back I put I didn't think, I think he was at 60 yards now that it's happened. At the time, Uh I was thinking he was probably 40 to 50 yards, and so I just put my 40, I just held for 45 and touched off and shot like an inch under him. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I was sick to my stomach. I'm like, you're such an idiot. Why didn't you just range and make sure what it was, you know? And this is probably, I would say, 5 o'clock when this happened. So the deer ran down the hill and come up the other side and they're probably like 150 yards from me just standing there and luckily they didn't know what I was or what had happened so they were kind of just looking around all alert like trying to figure out what what had just happened luckily they didn't see me or know what was going on so I kind of just backed out and was like well I'm just going to leave him and hopefully we can come back in the morning and get eyes on him again I don't want to boo him out and push him or anything like that so Decided to back out and went back to camp. Mm -hmm. Next morning, we get back up in there and had kind of the same game plan. Just get up in there and get up, get them guys up high and get eyes on them and see if we can get eyes on him. And my brother gets up on top of the mountain again and literally right at daylight gets on the radio and is like, I got him. So I was like, that's good. I'm glad we relocated him and got him down so second morning get eyes on him and find him and he was up literally probably 200 yards down the ridge from where he was the night before no and way so i sneak around and come down the ridge and get the wind in my favor and now that I think about it, I think I probably went in too early. Like I should have let them just feed for a while and seen what they were going to do. You know how it is in the morning with that. Like the wind was good, but you just, 
whatever, I don't know what it is about right at daylight. Like sometimes you can make it happen, but a lot of times stuff gets screwed up or the wind switches or things like that. And I moved in too fast, I think. And I come down the ridge. The thing with the, this big ridge that they were living on Uh is it's like sloped and there's just enough drop off in the ridge that you can see down the hill. And then once you get about 60, 70 yards, it drops off just enough where you can't see nothing. And so them guys up on the hill are watching the deer and they're like, Oh, he he should be right there. You should be able to see him, you know? And yeah, but their angle and what they're looking at is different than what you're seeing. And, you know, they're trying to communicate with me and tell me what's going on. And so I'm sneaking down the ridge and they're like, they're, he's just down in the next oak patch and you should be able to get eyes on him. And I'm sitting there, you know, scanning, trying to look and I hear something like a deer snorting at me and I turn and Uh look and I see the one buck that he was with, I see bounding down the hill and I'm like, frick, that blew him out. Yeah. So they run down the, I, you know, I never did see him at that time, but they run down the ridge and stop like 200 yards down there and I can just see him and his buddies looking back up the hill trying to find what I was I don't know they must have smelt me or seen me I got a little too close without that's the thing when you're trying to move in like that when they're on their feet feeding you need to have eyes on them or it makes it tough yeah and so I blew that they sneak down the ridge and go around this knob and they bed right down in the very bottom in this big tall oak. So we're like, okay, hey, well, we're not going to push them anymore. Let's just leave them there for now, and we'll go back and eat lunch and come back and see if we can get eyes on them and make a plan for the evening. And so at that, that was on Sunday. So uh-huh. most of my help had to go home. So my dad and my two uncles had to head back home because they had to work the next day. So it was just me and my little brother. And the next morning, I was sending my little brother up on this ridge that's straight across from, or not the next morning, that evening. My okay. Dad, I, I was sending him back up on top of the ridge where he was at, where he could get eyes on him. And I was just going to get up on the hill above him. Yeah. Glass and just wait and see what happened and get close enough that I could make a move if something happened, but not too close where I was going to boo him. So... We get up there and immediately again, like right as we get up there, my brother's like, okay, I got them. They're like 50 <laughs> yards from where they were. And no way. so I'm sitting there trying to decide what to do. And he's like, well, maybe if you sneak down and get up above them a little ways, we can just see what they do when they get up right at dark. You know, maybe I can make a play on them. So I'm sneaking down the ridge, trying to get closer and uh-huh. a, coy- a coyote, comes up the bottom of the draw right into the oak patch they're in and booze them out. So the deer jump up and take off running and they run down. So where this, where they were at, they were, they were down the Canyon far enough. They were getting kind of closer towards the main road and this big ridge runs down and there's big, like rock ledges around the top of it. It's almost like a rim, a rock rim, you know, Uh and, there's a saddle down there and a big, huge rock pile that sits right above the main road. And these deer were heading right for this saddle. So I'm like, I'm just going to freaking bust ass up here and see if I can get in front of them. And right. maybe they'll, maybe they'll come through this saddle and I can get a shot at them or something. So I run my butt up there. My brother's got eyes on them, watching them, telling me what they're doing. I sneak up around and sneak down this rock face and, get out to the very end of it and he's he's trying to communicate with me and tell me you know they're right there they should be coming over the top and i sat there for like 30 minutes and never see anything i don't see no deer come out i'm like i should have seen them you know like there's no way that they got there in front of me where i because where he had last seen them i was ahead of them you know like they're they had held hold up somewhere and we just didn't know where it was but so i just okay. kind of was sitting there waiting for a minute I want to say I sat there for probably like 20 minutes and I'm just waiting to hear from my brother to let me know what's going on. And he finally says, I got them. They must've just bedded down or something for a minute, but he finds them. 
and they're feeding right in the same direction, right to that pass. And so I get on the end of the rocks and belly crawl down there, and I finally get eyes on them. And there's other deer with them, though, like does and fawns and stuff, and so I'm like trying my best not to get busted by one of these other deer. Yeah. And I get down to the end where I'm probably, I want to say, like 75 yards from the deer, and they're just busy feeding in the oak brush at that time. And one of the does that was in front of them just pegs me. And I'm like froze for like five minutes waiting for this doe to hopefully just put her head down and go back to feeding. And finally, after about five minutes, she finally flicks her tail and goes back feeding. And I was like, uh-huh. thank God. And so this the bucks are coming behind her. It takes them a couple minutes to get up to where they were and where she was standing was like 45 yards. I'd arranged it before they yeah. got there. And the one deer that was in front of him, I, he feeds into the gap and I'm waiting for him to move. So that other, so the big deer can follow behind him. <laughs> he, he feeds right where he needs to. It all works out. And I had already arranged it. It was 40, 40 or 45 yards. So I draw back like the the shot the day before I felt good, you know, like I felt rushed, you know, I felt like I didn't take my time. I tried to push it too much. And this shot, I took my time. I was like, you know, don't rush it. It's yeah. a good shot. And I felt like I did. And I should take a shot at him. And for whatever reason, I watched my arrow. I'm shooting fixed blades, three, three blade broadheads and uh-huh. whatever reason my arrow i don't know if you've ever seen arrow do this but it it swoops up and like drops down and it i thought i shot right under him and i'm like what the heck and so i the yeah. deer runs like 20 yards stops and's looking at me so i hurried and knocked another arrow uh-huh he was at 60 yards that time so i pulled back shoot again and it hit a branch on the no. way there but all I could see was like the top of his back and his neck. Yeah. So I'm like, frick, I just blew it. I missed him twice. He's, I'm not finding this deer for a while, you know. Yeah. I'm all bummed and butt hurt. And they take off running back towards my brother up the draw. And he's watching him. He's like, he doesn't act hurt or sick or nothing, you know. And so I'm like, well, I'm just going to go down and try to find my arrows. Just double check, make sure I never hit him, you know, nothing like that. So I walked down the hill to where I, where he was standing when I shot. Uh-huh. And then I walked down the hill about 20 yards and find my arrow, and I got blood. From On the first broad arrow? Head. Yeah, from the broad head clear to the fletching, it's blood. Like, no, uh, it doesn't, it, it's not, you know, covered in blood, but there's definitely blood. Yeah. And a little bit of fat, like, I was almost thinking I gut shot him. So I tell my brother that I, I must've hit him. I had blood and I'm just like, holy crap. Like, (laughs) I don't know how, what even happened, you know, like maybe I was just seeing crap. And so I'm like, well, what's he doing? Do you got eyes on him? You know? And he's like, I'm watching him right now. He's just, he's stopping, shaking his head every once in a while. Like I didn't like, he doesn't seem sick or hurt, but he keeps shaking his head. And I'm like, what the heck, you know? Where the heck did I hit him at? And so he ends up going up the draw with these other deer and it's getting almost dark at this time. So we're just like, you know what? Let's just freaking leave him alone, back out. And I don't want to push him out of the country, especially now that I know I got, I hit him somewhere. I didn't know where at the time. Yeah. I'm like, let's just leave him alone and we'll come back in the morning and hopefully we can find him and we'll just make a plan from there, you know? So I get on the phone, I call my dad, and he had just barely left a couple hours earlier. I'm like, hey, I just hit this deer. I don't know how good of a hit it is, but you need to come back over here, and I need your help. You know, I need some more eyes on, on the hills. Yeah. So he, he's like, all right, well, I'll come back over in the morning. I'll just get up early and head over. And <laughs> so I call my my wife and my father-in-law was planning on coming over that next morning anyway. So I told him, and so he was like, all right, well, I'm going to come over. I'll be there. Yeah. And 
So the next morning, we get up, send them guys up on the hills they're supposed to go to, and I pull up the road in my side-by-side and stop, and I'm getting ready to head up the hill, and uh-huh. there's a bike coming up the road. Oh, no. So I'm like, crap. At the time, I thought it might have been my father-in-law coming up the road, but I'm like, oh, that ain't him. So yeah. the two guys... the this guy and another and his hunt this guide and a hunter get out and they start heading up the trail and i was just like hey i'm just gonna let you know i hit a deer in here last night don't know how good of a shot it is but i'm just giving you guys a heads up i don't want you to think i'm blowing crap out or screwing you up for no reason you yeah. know i just wanted to give them courtesy and tell them what was going on so right. anyway get halfway tell them that they're like all right well we're gonna go over here in glass or whatever and get halfway up the trail and I'm like, crap, I forgot my release in my bike. So I had to walk clear back no. down the trail. <laughs> I'm freaking in a panic and all yeah. flustered. So I run back down get my release, head up there. I go up to the saddle where I was opening morning. And this yeah. is up higher up the canyon. I was just like, just in case then deer kept moving, I want to double check and go up higher first. And I was like, let's glass for the first part of the morning and try to spot him. And then if not, then I'll go back down and get on his track and try to follow him that way if I have to. But like the eagle eye, my brother is, I, I guess, he, he glass for about an hour and a half, and then he ends up finding him. Jeez. And he, he, so he had moved, like, I want to say probably 300 yards up the canyon from where they were that night, Like he, and he was all by himself. Okay. All the other bucks that were with him were gone. But he doesn't seem, he's up feeding, he doesn't act sick or hit or nothing. So we're like, what the heck, you know, like, what's, couldn't tell for sure where we really hit him. Yeah. And so my dad and his, my dad shows up and he has one of my cousins, Chad, with him. So them guys get up on the hill where my brother is. And this is probably at 11 in the morning. The deer finally beds down and I'm like, well, I'm just going to go sneak down the ridge and get above him and see if I can get in there and get an arrow in him or wait him out and see what he does, you know? Yeah. So I sneak down the ridge and I get about 120 yards from the deer, but uh-huh. the hill they're on is it, it's in really thick oak and dead trees and it's in a burn. So it's kind of, I can't see the deer get eyes on him. So I sit there for probably, two hours just waiting okay and sit there for two hours finally the deer gets up and starts feeding and this is probably at one or two in the afternoon like still super early so i figure you know he's only going to feed for a little while and then rebed. yeah and the deer feeds down the hill away so i just kind of sneak down the hill and just kind of tell him with the wound in my face uh-huh. and follow him as close as I dare without, you know, being, I didn't want him to see me or blow him out if the wind switches or something. So he keeps feeding down the ridge and I get, there's one point where I get, I want to say I was probably 90 yards from him and he fed through a little opening and I got eyes on him, but he had moved through the opening too quick. Like he was out of range anyway for me and what I was comfortable for. And I never ended up getting a shot or nothing at him. So yeah. He feeds off the end of this little ridge and these guys got eyes on him the whole time and are watching him from up above. And he feeds down into this little flat and he's just feeding in this oak. So I sneak down this the hill and I get to the edge and there's a huge rock pile that runs down and then it drops off. And that's almost uh-huh. like a shelf. And I get to this rock pile and this deer's straight below me, you know, like probably 60 yards, but he's feeding and I'm trying to sneak down the hill. So he doesn't, you know, whip his head up and look at me. And so I'm sneaking and I kick my shoes off and go in my socks and I had to get down and belly crawl under this tree. And there's like a wash (laughs) with this rock in it. And I had to get down on my belly and just pretty much crawl through this crap just because on the other side of it, there's a little rock shelf. And I knew if I got to that spot, I would be right above him, like within range. Yeah. And I was, he was 
the way the the ridge ran, I knew I'd be where he, you know, couldn't get eyes on me. I'd be able to get above him, but still be concealed from him. Yeah. So I get down there, and right as I get to that spot where I wanted to get to, he beds down in the oak. Oh. And no, nobody can see him. So I start laughing with my tins, just trying to pick him up, and I end up getting a piece of his horn moving, you know, through the oak brush. So I know he's in there. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, he's there. I know where he's at. So how I'm far is he? To... So at that time, I ended up, I ranged the patch of oak he was in. He's 35 yards. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so I'm like, like right there, you know, like. Yeah. It's like all I have time. to do is be ready to be willing to sit it out and hope that, you know, he feeds out and gives me a good opportunity. Yeah. And, or the wind don't switch and screw it up or something like that so i'm just like you know what i'm just gonna sit here all day if i have to i don't care i'm after all the crap that had happened the two days before i was just like you know what i'm gonna make it happen you know like at least that's that's what i was telling myself you know just to keep myself focused and so i sat there so i think when he bedded down it was I want to say, like, right around 3 o'clock. Uh-huh. And, of course, that day, there's no wind, no clouds, no nothing. It's just <laughs> hot. <laughs> yeah. So I, I end up sitting on the deer. I want to say it was probably, well, I sat there for three hours at least. And I had, <clears> ranged, <throat> every, I had ranged every opening around the, where he was at. Yeah. So I just wanted to have every exit he had possible covered where when he gets up and feeds out, I already know, and I can just draw back and kill him. Right. And so I'm sitting there waiting. He finally stands up, and I can just see him in the oak. Like He's he's still covered up, but I can just see movement. You know, I can see that he's on his feet. Okay. He (laughs) whirls around and drops down and beds right back down i was like crap oh man so he beds back down i'm like well hopefully he doesn't sit there for two more hours now <laughs> yeah so i sit there and i want to say it was probably 20 minutes went by between then and he find he stands up again and i was like all right i think he's going to get up and start feeding yeah so he feeds out but he's feeding out head on right to me like to where i'm i'm having to duck down and, like, stay concealed on the top of this rock where he can't see me, you know. Uh-huh. And there's, like, kind of oak that grew up right next to the rock I was on. So I had some cover, but yeah. I couldn't get up on the rock high enough to where I wanted to shoot without, you know, like, I wanted him to be turned not looking at me so I could get up and draw and shoot. Like, I still had to be careful where I was at mm-hmm. or he would bust me. Yeah. So he he feeds right towards me. And he gets right underneath of where I'm at, like right under the rock I'm on, and it's just feeding. <laughs> so all I can see is his head and the tops of his horns and the oak just feeding, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, well, hopefully he doesn't sit here forever. And so I'm sitting there waiting for him to, you know, just feed into a good spot where I feel comfortable. And I was hoping he would, you know, the closer the better. After I missed twice, my confidence wasn't very high, you know. Yeah, I was just, you know, yeah, you you sit and question yourself or doubt yourself after you have little things like that happen. I was trying to stay positive, but I was right. just like, hopefully I can get him the closer the better. So he feeds, he's sitting there feeding, and all of a sudden out of nowhere, this forked horn comes walking right out into this opening right in front of me, and I'm like, what the crap? So I hurry and <laughs> duck back down. I'm like, if this forked horn blows me out after all this, after all day sitting on this deer, I'm going to be so pissed. I'll probably just shoot this forked horn and go home. <laughs> so I'm sitting there. Finally, the forked horn feeds out, uh-huh. goes goes over the ridge, and keeps walking. And I'm like, all right, we're back back on. So yeah. I sit there for a couple more minutes, and the buck's still just feeding right there. And he finally turns and starts feeding straight away from me. And he feeds out about 10 yards, and he stops and turns and starts feeding on this oak brush. 
So I hurry and ranged it. He was 28 yards. Uh-huh. Step up on the, I step up on the rock and draw back, and right as I'm drawing back, he turns broadside. So it was perfect. Oh, and I, So I just put my 20- and 30-yard pin on him, you know, for 28 yards and shot and hit him right in the heart, hit him dead center, you know, perfect, right yeah. behind the shoulder. He jumps up and runs down the hill about 10 yards, and I can see he's got blood pouring out. And he runs behind this oak. No And he comes out, he comes out in this opening and just does like a somersault and lands in this oak bush and just doesn't move a muscle. Just mm. better than a door now. Mm. What are you doing? We were all, you oh, out? I was just going nuts. And can you, uh, can you we were all pooping and hollering and say that again. Could your glassers see this all go down? Like the oh, yeah. Like, ball? So, yeah, they could see the whole thing. They watched all of it go down. So they were all going nuts, too, you know, and yeah. know, across the canyon. And <laughs> my brother, I mean, he freaking did a lot of good things on this hunt and helped me out a lot. Like, he spotted that deer so many times for me. But yeah, he, he had the phone or my phone cam going on the spot and scope you know like probably five minutes before i was why the deer was up feeding right under me uh-huh. but for whatever reason i don't he, he just thought he didn't know how long it would be before i was going to shoot so he pulled the phone scope off to put his 15s on so he could watch the deer for a minute yeah and that, of course that was right when it all went down so he didn't even get it on video but oh I could, so i've been giving him crap about that but <laughs> yeah because it, it it really would have been like the most epic freaking kill shot ever because you could see me in the frame up on top of the rock above and the, the deer you know right below me and then when he runs out and the way he died it would it just would have been sweet to get it on video but yeah oh well i'm just glad i got him so <laughs> glad it For all real. worked out so what was it like walking up on a buck like that? Like, what's, so, what's it like putting your you know, hands on him? I want to back up a little bit. So, like, the first night when I missed him, uh huh, and he ran across the hill and was just standing over there in the sun. Like, the whole time I was thinking this deer, you know, was probably, like, around 210-inch deer. Yeah. And that night when, when he, well, after I missed him and he ran over on the hill, and I was just sitting there watching him through my binos. I was just like, holy crap, this deer's freaking way bigger than what I'm thinking. You know, like, his mass is just unreal. Like, I'm like, this deer's at least 215. Right. And I, at that point, I just had it in my head. I'm like, I'm hunting this deer until the end. Like, I don't care if I don't kill a deer or whatever. This is the deer I'm going after. Like, until he's dead or until I kill him, I'm this is the deer I want. Right. So then... After I shot him that night, we get walking down. I walk down the hill, and them guys come up the hill and meet me, and I walk up on him, and we were just blown away at how big he was compared to what we were thinking. You know, like, his mass is almost, I want to say on his main beam, like on his fourth measurement by his uh-huh. front fork, is, it's just under six inches on his beam. Jeez. Like, usually a deer, if you know, has a six-inch base or something, but... His main beams are unreal, the mass he has on him. Like, and he has mass that just goes clear to the top. Like, yeah. He's bladed on every time. He has like mass and, that doesn't even score that just looks No, like yeah. 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 But we were, we were all freaking just couldn't believe it. Like, and at that time, I was like, you know, that deer might push 220. And, and I didn't think for sure, but he ended up being over 220. But we were just couldn't believe how much bigger he was once we walked up to him on the ground yeah it was pretty awesome insane. i'm looking at the pictures right now on your instagram and it's just it's just such a cool yeah. deer, such a giant deer so well, you told me to, oh go ahead sorry i was just gonna no say and, and even the field photos i took like i ain't a great photographer and i ain't good at that kind of stuff but none of those pictures i posted doing justice at all like i've had several people that like come over and see me that next day in the at my father-in-law's shop and just was like those pictures do not do him justice like it's not <laughs> i don't know and he's yeah. so compact and like he's not real wide he's only 25 inches wide but he's just got so much mass and stuff that you can't see in the pictures it's just crazy and uh but, 
so he had a let's see, you sent it to me, a two hundred and three inch frame. And yeah. Was, like uh, 221 total, but that, that's insane. Frames don't get much right. bigger than that. That's no, and to be on a frame that's 25 inches wide, I, is like his, <laughs> his inside spread's 24, but his front end's the widest part of his horns. Like, I think from cheater to cheater, he's 25. So, Jeez. I want to say he's got one beam was like right under 25, and the other one's like 24. And, a quarter or something, but so he's got four inch eye guard on the one side, and the other one's like three, three and a quarter <laughs> or something. Like, and you can't see that in those pictures; they don't look four inches. <laughs> yeah, well, but, everything uh, so massive it makes it look. Oh, I know it takes away from the length. But, yeah, that's insane. That's such a big deer. It's crazy. So, what do you feel like? Uh, like, what did you learn from this hunt or this particular deer that you'll uh, include in other hunts or that made you a be- better hunter? Um, I think I would say, you know, having having good people to work that are helping you, you know, like if you can have people help. Sometimes, you know, on these general season hunts, you're doing it by yourself or you might have one person with you or whatever, but having a good team of people makes a difference. Like having guys that are all in it for the same common goal and are willing to do whatever it takes to help you be successful, I would see as one. And then I would just say a lot, people don't realize it. I don't think a lot, but when it comes, especially with bow hunting, it's just the mental part of it. Like there's so many ups and downs in, in a single hunt or in a day of bow hunting like you got to be able to just block it all out and say you know what don't matter what happened yesterday or two minutes ago you just got to focus and refocus your thoughts on and you know just yeah go right back after it you can't sit there and sulk or mope or you know kick rocks whatever be mad for a minute but then just be like you know what if it means that much to you and you want it bad enough, you'll do what it takes to make it happen. You know, like the whole time I was sitting on that rock waiting for him to stand up, you know, I waited and sat on him for four hours and no water, no nothing, just sitting there baking in the sun. You just got to be able to block it out and say, you know what, this means more to me than filling like crap for a few minutes. Right. Well, and one thing I took away that I think, made a big difference that you, that you did is um so um how it kind of messed up the second day everything kind of got screwed up and then mm-hmm. i think it would have been really easy to be like oh i missed them i've been on them like this is mentally draining maybe i'll just like and your help's leaving like it probably would have been easy to go home with your help for a few days and re yeah like i think a lot of guys might have done that but then you wouldn't have got on them that that evening right i i think uh i think that's a lot of the times what makes a difference is just sticking it out a little longer like like you mentioned just the mental game i mean you could have gone home and maybe those other guys that morning would have killed this buck or maybe maybe he wouldn't have been bedded in that spot if you hadn't hit him the evening before and put in that that time so i think i think it proved you kind of put in the time you were you put in a ton of time scouting and you you stayed persistent i think that's what that's what it takes to kill these next level deer yeah for sure and you know i just you know i waited for 16 years to draw this tag so i was going to do whatever it took to be successful you know like i've hunted some big deer around you know general season but yeah you know it makes it it gives you a little bit extra motivation to stick it out or do whatever when you know you know this is my one chance you know right but i mean after that second day i definitely thought you know like some people maybe would have just been like well maybe let's just leave him alone and go hunt a different deer or whatever but right i was just like you know what but there ain't another deer i want what's the point even if i don't I'm not going to go push it and run him out of the country, but I'm I'm not leaving. I'm going to 
if you're not up on the hill or in the spot where he's at, good things can't happen if you're not there. Yeah, for sure. And then and then you can even start playing mind games with yourself. Like, oh, I know. Someone killed him. Maybe someone killed him the evening I wasn't there or whatever. So I think mm-hmm. I think he did that right. Is there anything maybe that you would have done different or changed about this hunt? Um, I well, opening day I definitely would have done something a little different. Like, I think no matter what, and you know, like I've heard this on podcasts before, or just you hear it from people you know that you look up to. Like, when you're making a stock or getting ready to shoot a deer, you're in that moment, like no matter how much your emotions are going or how jacked up you are, sometimes you just got to slow it down and be patient. Like mm-hmm. instead of trying to push or force something or rush something, like when you're in the moment and that there's in your, you're in his house, you're not going to freaking make him do anything. Like you just got to be patient and let things happen. Obviously sometimes you got to be focused and make it happen and make the shot and kill him you know obviously you want to kill him but yeah you can you can overdo it too and you know i rushed it that first night i instead of just being patient and slowing down because i in the back of my head was thinking oh maybe he's blown out i started going too fast and then i finally seen him and instead of just being patient and settling down and seeing what happens i was like oh i'm just gonna guess and that's you don't want to do that when you're bow hunting, like there's too many other things against you and too many variables, like know what, how far the deer is what you're shooting before you try to shoot it. Like, and it's just basic stuff, but you know, when you're stopping on a giant deer, sometimes it's hard to remember those (laughs) things. And I guess that's just, I have to tell myself that all the time. And I've killed a couple deer with my bow and it's just like, you just got to be patient. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's actually really good advice. I think it's it's easy to say now, but when you're in the moment and you're in on like you a 220 inch deer, I mean it's much easier said than done. But I think to remember that is key. yeah. So I appreciate you getting on, but before uh, I end real we end real quick, I just was wondering if you have any other hunts for the rest of the year or what the rest of your hunting season looks like. So I I don't have any other hunts right now. That was the only tag I drew this year. Okay. My my wife didn't draw nothing either, so I'm sure we'll oh, try geez. to get an elk tag or something over the counter for her or something. But yeah, the rest of the year, I'm sure I'll just, like my dad and my brothers both have dedicated hunter tags, and okay. my Uncle Zane has a tag in Nevada for 111 through 13, I think, a late season elk tag. So I'm, oh, I'm sure I'll be helping them guys trying to get them a deer and an elk. So other than that, just helping people pretty much. I owe them since they come and <laughs> busted their butts for me. So Yeah, that's sweet. Well, I'm glad I got to hear about your buck, and congrats again. That's such an unreal deer. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you letting me come on and I, I'm still kind of in shock, you know, like, I'm just glad it all worked out, you know, I think it still hasn't really set in yet, but I'm pretty pumped about it, (laughs) you know, finally to make it all, have it all work out, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, it doesn't get much better than that, that's awesome, well, thanks again for getting on. Um, Yeah, I appreciate you having me. And, um, is there any last things you want to say, or give a shout out to anyone? Yeah, so I just want to thank, like, my brother and dad and all my uncles and all them guys for coming over and helping me and busting their butts. And I like to thank my wife for putting up with me all summer. And she did a lot of stuff to, like I said, we sold our house. And there was a lot of days where I ran over and scouted and she stayed home and busted her butt doing a lot of things so I could make this how all work and all happen. And I just want to say that I... I really appreciate her for doing those things and I'm I love her very much and for taking care of my kids and all that like I couldn't have done it without my wife like she supports me and has my back and it wouldn't have worked out without her 
And I also want to give a shout-out to my father-in-law, Shane Maycock. He is a taxidermist here in Minersville. He runs Mountain Fever Taxidermy. He, uh, he's been doing it for probably around 20 years at least, and I think he's one of the best around. And if anybody needs a deer mounted or any big game animal, hit him up. So... Sweet. Well, it sounds like you had some really good help on this hunt and really good support. So that's what yep. it takes. That's awesome. Yeah, it was. It was pretty sweet, and I feel pretty blessed. Couldn't ask for better help or family, and that's what it's all about. So. Yeah. <laughs> sweet. Thanks again, Judd. Well, I appreciate you for having me on, Conley.